Hey everyone, my name is Maggie Chang. And I'm Elena Cho. And welcome to Gourmand, a show set on empowering the next generation of food lovers and leaders. The holidays may be over, but we're happily staying on the pie train because today we're sitting down with cookbook author, recipe developer, and award-winning food stylist, Erin Jean McDowell. Erin's work has been featured everywhere from Food 52 to the New York Times, and her new book, The Book on Pie, just launched this past fall. In this episode, we chat with Erin about entering and navigating the food media space, must-have cookbooks, and all things pie. Let's dig in. Welcome to the pod, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. So we want to back up and start from the beginning with your upbringing. I read that you grew up in Kansas, and I'm really curious to what that was like and how food factored into your childhood and family. Uh, I grew up in and around Lawrence, Kansas, which is a, a liberal little college town in kind of the northeastern corner of Kansas. And um, my family loves food. <laughs> I definitely grew up in a food-loving family. And, um, you know, every person in the family sort of um, has that love in a different way. Like when I started thinking about it, um, when I got older and I became so much more obsessed with food, everyone's connection to it was a little bit different. But, you know, whether some of the people in my family are cooks and great home cooks and home bakers, um, some people in my family have worked in restaurants. Some of the people in my family love to garden and grow food. Um, people have made their own beer homemade. People have known kind of like my, my aunt used to know all the best restaurants and she was always the one to ask for a restaurant recommendation, even though she wasn't much of a cook herself. So everybody sort of loved food. And so, um, we kind of would design you know, the parties that we would have, they would just be a relatively humble party, but they would be designed around the type of food we were going to make. You know, it was yeah. wings on the grill this time. We, we now, um, in more recent years, have these paella parties where we cook paella over an open fire in my parents' backyard. So all different kinds of things and, and that kind of um, bonding over food and especially of the growing of it and appreciating where it comes from. I can thank my family for all of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sounds familiar, planning entire events around the type of food that you want to eat, <laughs> for sure. Um, and so I read somewhere, I think, that you got a job after school at a bakery. Um, what was that like? And kind of what, I guess, led you to want to do that? Well, I was about, okay, so I have to go back a little bit, even back further to before I got that job, which mm -hmm. is that my dad, every year, um, you know, generally around your birthday, but kind of, or around the ending of school, you know, certain kinds of year, he would kind of ask you what you were going to be when you grew up. And it was not so much of a pressure inducing question as it was like, okay, another year has passed. Now, what do you want to be? And um, I told him when I was, you know, 14 or, or so years old, that I wanted to be a writer, but that I rarely could finish the things that I started writing. You know, I would have these ideas, but then they wouldn't quite go anywhere. And um, he said to me, well, maybe you just haven't figured out what you're supposed to be writing about yet. And I remember that kind of being very poignant, even to 14 year old me of like, whoa, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and uh, then a few years passed and I kept thinking about where I was going to go to college and I wanted to go to art school. I have three older brothers, two of um, whom are artists. I have a, my oldest brother is a photographer and the next one is a painter and illustrator. And I wanted to be an artist really badly, but every time I 
tried any kind of art form, I, I sort of struggled with it a little bit. I, I just didn't have that natural talent with pens and paper. And I kept kind of critically thinking about what I wanted to do because my dad would ask me those questions. He would say, <laughs> what are you going to be? What are you going to be? And um, the light bulb came when I came home from a ceramics class one day. My mom was making a cake and she was using a cake comb on the side of the cake to make it smooth it or give it a texture. And I had used that in the ceramic studio, a very similar tool to put texture onto the clay. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I could be a pastry chef instead of being, you know, trying to be an artist because there are lots of different jobs uh, that maybe a pastry chef could do. Whereas I was thinking, you know, an artist, you work for yourself and hope and you try to sell your art. But I was nervous about that as like a career choice. And I thought, well, maybe that's a slightly more practical art form where, you know, they've got a pastry chef in every hotel and every restaurant and all of these things. So that was how I got the idea in my head. And I started applying to every place in my hometown that could possibly help me get some experience to figure out if that is what I wanted to do. I was struggling to get places to even look at me for kitchen jobs. And I wanted to go to culinary school. Um, and I wanted to convince my parents that this is what I should do. I felt like I had a lot writing on getting this job. And um, one lovely pastry chef named Allison looked the other way on my age a little bit and she hired me in my first job i would come in after school when i was a junior in high school and i would make all the scone and muffin kind of bases so that the morning baker could come in and just add buttermilk and fruit and make the scones and the muffins and so that was my very first bakery job and i was 16 years old <laughs> wow wow and did you did you love it um uh -huh loved it. I loved it. And I felt very important, even though I literally had this one job that was like, the only thing I was hired to do was make these <laughs> huge vats of this base. And I, I loved it. And um, then when I, I guess it wasn't, I, I can't remember ex the exact timing, but when I graduated from high school, and I still had a few months before I was going to start at culinary school, they were so excited because that meant I could work full time. And I was kind of excited too, because I'd never done that and I didn't know what that was like. But of course, what they were really excited about is that now they had somebody to pin the early morning baking on. Of course. <laughs> so the summer after my senior year of high school, when all of my friends were like, you know, going to parties and I was literally going to bed at 7 p.m. because I would wake up in the middle of the night to go bake muffins and scones. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the summer of my senior, my senior year before I went to pastry school. And then I went to pastry school that fall. Wow. You have yeah. to really love it <laughs> to, to put in those hours for sure. Well, I just felt already like I'd found something that I was excited about and that I wanted to do. And, and also, I don't know, there was this thing. I don't know if other people who really love this career because it's a hard job, mm -hmm. but I would kind of feel like, man, I'm getting off easy. I have friends who are like mowing lawns and painting houses and like, and I just felt like I was kind of like playing all day. So it just felt to me, you know, like I actually had, you know, figured, figured it out before some other people that I was like, wow, this is a great option. Why aren't more people doing this? But then I think that you're right. It just kind of came along with realizing I had a real passion for it. Yeah. And then after culinary school, um, what did you do then? How did you get into the kind of the food media space rather than just working in bakeries and restaurants? 
I realized when I was in culinary school that I, I didn't really want to work in restaurants. And of course I did work in restaurants and bakeries. I got some experience and, and part of that also is, is just the nature of going to that school. I went to the Culinary Institute of America in uh, Hyde Park, New York. And they, um, I, I realized pretty early on, there were a few reasons why I realized that I didn't want to work in restaurants. The first is that I missed like nights and weekends. I, I wanted a more normal schedule. And I think that this is something that's great to talk about um, with people who might be interested in food careers, because that's one of the first things that you'll hear. You know, that's one of the first things I heard when I was a teenager and I told everybody that I wanted to work. I wanted to be a pastry chef. They said, well, say goodbye to Christmas, say goodbye to, you know, and that was sort of discouraging because I thought, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to really make this choice now. I was 16. I was like, I really better decide now if I want to say goodbye to weekends forever. But that isn't really, of course, what it is. And every job is a little bit different. And then even within different kind of sectors of the food world, there are sort of different things going on. But those things also do help you to realize, you know, I was like, I'm not going to be a great restaurant person. I'm more of a morning person and less of a night owl. So if I was going to work in a professional kitchen, I need to be a baker. I need to not be in a, in a pastry chef sort of role. So asking yourself those questions can really help you kind of find those other things. And it helped me to discover that I thought media was really going to be a great space for me, if only because I loved writing. And I had told my dad, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a writer. And I thought, well, maybe if I work in food media, I'll get some opportunities to write. I'll get some opportunities to be in the kitchen. And I can kind of blend these two things that I really love. Um, my first job I got I, I feel like I got pretty lucky, um, truthfully, because there was um, a job at the school that I went to. I ended up working there for four and a half years in kind of an entry level position, but kind of working my way up a little bit. And I worked in the cookbook publishing department for the culinary school that I went to. Oh. They produced well. And so I got to work on the photo shoots for those, I got to do some basic like line editing. I worked with the test kitchen. I did some ghost writing. I really did a lot of different things in that job that was definitely kind of like, um, I always joke that I went to pastry school and then that was kind of like my graduate school. <laughs> and that was like <laughs> my food media graduate school of just like four years of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's fascinating to hear you talk about that because I come from I guess kind of similar interests. Like I'm actually studying art um, at Penn. So it was funny to hear you talk about that, but similarly like knew kind of that I don't want to be a studio artist and, you know, found this love of baking and, and writing and photography and stuff. And so, yeah, do like have been pouring a lot of energy into that for years. So I feel like all those interests kind of go hand in hand I, um, in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different art forms, right? And a lot of different mediums. And I just hadn't really, because food is a more practical medium in the sense that we, after we make art with it, we eat it. I, I had a real appreciation for other things, but I just couldn't ever find kind of my natural skill level with it. And whether I had natural skill with baking or whether it's a little bit easier to learn that skill um, than it is some forms of art where you really need that natural ability to kind of guide you through it. And once I had a medium, then it was like, oh, I am a creative person. My whole life I've had ideas, I've had things. and But, you know, just because I couldn't sketch them out, I felt like I wasn't a creative person, <laughs> sort of. And then, you know, it, finding your medium really helps with that. 
Yeah. Yeah. When did you start creating your own recipes and posting them online? Gosh, it's hard to, I mean, I, I started creating my own recipes almost when I started baking. So when I was, you know, I would start making tweaks to things starting when I was about 16 years old, but, um, I didn't start posting them online until probably I graduated from pastry school. So about 2008, I think is when I started, that's when I graduated from school um, my first recipes went in two places. I had a little blog called The Apartment Kitchen that was about how when I first moved into my first apartment, I had one bowl and one fork and one pot. And what could I cook with that? And I made gnocchi. <laughs> and um, that was my first. And then as I gained kitchen equipment, I would write about it. I would say, it's worth it to splurge a little on something like this, but you could save a little bit of money on something like, you know, and I would kind of give reviews of kitchen equipment and things like that. Um, when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21 writing in those kinds of things. And, um, then the second place that they would appear is I started entering these recipe contests on this then brand new website. And at this website, if you, they would have a different theme, every week or every other week. I can't remember the frequency, but, uh, oh no, every week, duh. Why am I <laughs> saying that? Every week, because I'm about to reveal what the place is and it's right in the name. Um, it was Food 52, so 52 yeah. weeks of the year. That's why it was every week. I'm such a moron. Um, but the, they, you would submit a recipe that matched the theme and if you won the contest, you won kitchen equipment. So I was just trying to get myself, I wanted a La Crusade um, pot. That's what I was trying to get from these contests desperately. I wanted it so badly. And I entered just about every week. I was like making up a recipe and typing it up and putting it on the site. And I, I did win a couple of those contests in those early days of Food 52. I think I won two over the years and it was a thrill. And then flash forward a few years later when I moved to New York City and I just emailed Food 52 and I said, you might remember me as apartment cooker, but I live here now. And if you ever need any help in your kitchen, I'd love to help out. And that is how I started working at Food 52. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a great story. And did you ever win the La Crusade? I don't think I ever won the La Crusade. <laughs> I won some other things that were very cool. And um, one of the things that is very nerdy to admit now, and I did eventually tell Amanda and Meryl this, and their reaction was so horrified that I, that I rethought this, but they signed, they would give you a bookmark that said Food 52 and they signed the back of it. And I was a huge fan of Amanda's writing. I just loved her. And so I was so excited to have this thing that she'd signed that I framed it. And I hung it in my office space, this thing that said Amanda and Meryl and Food 52. And I told them about that years later at a Christmas party. <laughs> they were just like, oh, I can hardly believe you would say that, you know, sort of horrified by it, I think. But, you know, when you're starting out for someone to take a chance on you in any way, whether it's winning a recipe contest or, you know, years later them offering me a job, those chances, you know, um, someone taking a chance on you can go a really long way. And it sure did for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are kind of that young age where that, that means a lot to them um, for sure. And can definitely appreciate that. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the amazing thing about food media and kind of what you do is that you do cover all of these different kind of facets of it. Um, could you pick a favorite or do you love like that kind of combination, I guess, of all of them? 
it's funny when I first, I, my first job at the Culinary Institute where I worked in an office and I had very normal hours, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five sort of a thing. Um, I was very nervous by the idea that eventually if I wanted to work in food media, I might have to go freelance. That, that mm-hmm. really scared me because I liked the stability of a, you know, biweekly paycheck and I right. liked all of those things. Ever since I went freelance, which was honestly sort of a decision I was um, uh, not forced into, but, you know, sort of the circumstances sort of pushed me to go that direction sooner than I would have anticipated. Um, I'm glad I was sort of pushed into it because I don't know that I would have ever had the strength to do it. And then I figured out, oh my gosh, this is for me partially because it changes all the time. And I love that. You know, I don't, I'm not ever working on the same thing for very long with the exception of books, books you're working on forever and ever and ever, which is wonderful. Um, And that's probably part of why I love working on them so much is that it's like this really long process and I can dive in really deep. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think that for me, the variety is really one of the things that is the most appealing about it. there are days that I would tell you that my favorite part is being in the kitchen. I was in the kitchen all day yesterday and I had a great day. And today I've been at the computer most of the day, but I've really enjoyed that too. So it kind of, for me, it is a little bit of a balance. And um, the best part about it for me is that I get to exercise the creative muscle a lot more than I did when I worked in an office job. I got to be creative a lot in that job, but it was still in these very defined ways or just at specific points in the process. Like, you can have ideas at the beginning and then those ideas get edited and they're set in stone and we go from there kind of a deal. But now I, you know, it's kind of like, we're always having ideas. It's an idea factory. And that's one of my favorite parts about what I do now. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it's a super fun job. What do you think were some of the challenges of moving to freelance that you first experienced? Oh man, there's so many. The first is just like pure uh, terror at the irregularity of the work. So the first thing that I did was email everybody that I knew who was ever in a position to hire anybody like that, whether it was a photographer needing to hire a food stylist or, or you know, even a food stylist saying to a photographer, do you know of any good assistants I could hire to work in the kitchen? I just wanted anybody who knew anybody to know that I was available And that worked out really well because I started getting a lot of calls based on those recommendations. The thing about food media, and I think this is actually true of a lot of sectors of the food world, you know, it's a huge, the overarching world of food is huge, but the individual areas like media, um, restaurant worlds in different cities and things, they're actually very small worlds and everybody knows everybody. And um, so I got a lot of, Uh, jobs and opportunities through word of mouth and also I think through um, you know just being persistent but uh, I think that 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 is the scariest part is just like am I going to get enough work and the thing is you can have a great job for three weeks and make a lot of money and the day that it ends you you think that so it's like there's no point that it feels very comfortable until you're more established and I think the other thing that was really hard for me was realizing some of the reasons that I thought I might not want to go into the restaurant world is because I wasn't necessarily as business minded. I was considered myself more of a creative person. Well, here I had chosen this creative field, but I had to run a business. I, you know, I had to do all of those things for myself because there's nobody 
taking my taxes out of my checks for me and doing all of these things. And, and, you know, that was a big, huge change for me to realize that in order to do the thing that I 100% want to do, I was going to still have to do about 20% of the things I didn't want to do. And, and, you know, that's what makes it work, right? And what makes it a job. It's not just playing with cookies all day long. You know, I also have to at some point deal with receipts and it is awful. Um, but, you know, between talking to other freelance professionals uh, and kind of having some guidance in that, again, some people really helped me when I had questions. And also I wasn't afraid to ask those questions when I needed to. Um, you know, I got more comfortable. And I think the other thing that is still the hardest for me, if I'm being honest, because it is still, I love it and I highly recommend it. And I also still feel this, you know, all the time is imposter syndrome. I absolutely all the time wonder, oh my gosh, why was my book featured for this? Or why was I picked to do this? And, and, um, and I'm a confident person. I love my work. I'm very proud of the things that I do, but there's so much out there that it's hard yeah. to not get that a little bit with yourself. So, so you know, there's, there's pros and cons, of course, in, in every direction. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it is so true that there is so much out there right now um, in terms of content. I feel like, yeah, I see new stuff every day. So I can imagine it does take like a lot of confidence um, in yourself and kind of a lot of that hard work put in. Um, and I'd love to hear more. You briefly mentioned the process of writing a cookbook. And so I'd love to hear about that. Your first book was The Fearless Baker. Um, and you have a new book, The Book on Pie, which I I'm dying to get my hands on. Um, I think I'm going to ask for it for Hanukkah. Um, so um, yeah, but I would love to hear about kind of the process, I guess, of what went into that first book. Um, and then what of that, I guess, translated as you, as you wrote your second. Well, the first book was a bit of a, I mean, it wasn't a surprise. Of course, I knew it was coming once we signed the contract, but the, the part that I got to the contract was quite a surprise to me. I met a literary agent and a book editor um, on a set in Savannah, Georgia. I was the food stylist for a fabulous cookbook um, called A Real Southern Cook in Her Savannah Kitchen um, by Dora Charles. Fabulous book. Look it up. Amazing. Try the fried ribs. <laughs> They're amazing. They'll blow your mind. Um, uh, assuming that you eat ribs, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I should say. For, for anyone listening, I'm just like, try that. Big fan um, of ribs. We'll try. Yes. Oh my gosh. They're so amazing. Uh, I'd never thought of frying a rib before I met Dora. She taught me many, many amazing things, but I was on that set and the literary agent and I were talking and I, I believe what was happening was I was sort of explaining something to her. I was explaining that we could make something ahead because of this reason. And when I reached the end of the explanation, she said, you should write a book. And I thought, oh, wow, because that was, I wanted to, but I just thought I didn't, I, it wasn't even on my radar. I think I was maybe 24 or five years old. So um, I suggested a few different ideas for the proposal. And interestingly, I think there were three. Um, one was the idea that became the Fearless Baker, which was actually the one I was the most excited about. And I was really excited about this idea of the fearless baker. Um, it basically set out to explain the why behind a recipe. So rather than just saying cream the butter and sugar, it's you know explaining what creaming does, why it works, what its role is, what over creaming is, what under creaming can do, and explaining all of those things, but in a very practical way, like mm -hmm. kind of trying to 
I think the way that I would describe it to my parents a lot was like trying to kind of Alton Brown baking a little bit. And um, writing that book was really truly fabulous for me, but also a tremendous learning experience, which is um, it was hard for me to swallow that it was such a learning experience. When I, uh, when I started writing it, I kind of reverted to this um, professional tone that I had used when I worked at the Culinary Institute. So all of a sudden I was writing things. I had written the proposal like Erin Jean McDowell, but I was writing the book like a professional chef. And my editor basically had to tell me about halfway through writing the book, like, this is not the book that I signed on for. And I had to, I had written about half of it and I had to almost start over. I mean, I didn't start over, of course, because the pieces were there, mm -hmm. but I, I had to rewrite it. And it was this incredible experience, but it was also this like big light bulb moment of just like, oh, right, I'm writing this. It's, it's from my perspective. I don't need to revert to this like more um, handbook technical form of writing that I'm comfortable with. I need to just go to me. And it was really the first time in my career that I was able to be me. I wasn't just writing for an outlet and kind of trying to adapt to their voice. Instead, I was able to, to do my, myself. And um, it was, I'm really, really proud of the book. And the second book, is a direct result of that learning experience. From the get-go, I did things completely differently and it came together in a much more satisfying, less troubled way than the first. Um, it was just really, the process was truly, truly fantastic. Of, I mean, for both of them, but the first one was a little bit more tense and scary and I had knots in my stomach all the time. And the second one was just like, I cannot wait for this book to come out. I cannot wait for people to see this. I can't wait. Yeah. And now it's out. <laughs> it's out. And it's so beautiful. I like, I've yet to get my hands on a physical copy, but I've been like looking at all the photos and they are amazing. Um, we're curious how, why pie? Like you said, you were written about pie before. Like, why did you want to do a whole book on pie? I've had a really special place in my heart for pie since I was a little girl um, due to sort of the way my family feels about it and gushes about it. Um, we would, there were several road trips where my family would sort of drive out of their way to go to a specific restaurant that supposedly had amazing pie. Um, we made pies for different family occasions and um, you know, it was, it was a beloved dessert in my family and there was a lot of nostalgia circling around it for me. But I also, it's the first thing I really learned to bake very well. Um, my grandma and I would sometimes bake pies together. It started when I was about 14 years old, you know, not super frequently, not every week or anything, but, you know, several times a year. And eventually it morphed into a tradition of us making all of the pies for my family's Thanksgiving dinner, which was usually five or six different pies because um, we have quite a large family. And that was like really one of my favorite holiday traditions for many years um, of going to my grandma's house the day before Thanksgiving and making all the pies together. And then, you know, shuttling them back to my parents' house for Thanksgiving day. So um, I really learned to bake pie using my senses rather than a recipe and kind of learning what it should feel like and um, smell like and look like at different stages. There, one story that I tell a lot is in my early days of pastry school, they actually only cover pie very briefly in school, um, <laughs> interestingly enough. But during the class that covers it mostly, 
Um, we also do a little bit of chocolate work and I was terrible with chocolate. I could not get the chocolate to temper. And one of my best friends was very good with chocolate, but she couldn't crimp her pie crust edges. So we, um, and we've admitted it now multiple times that we sort of cheated. You know, I would go over to her station and crimp her crust. She would come over to mine and tell me if it was in temper, or, you know, help me temper it, temper my chocolate. And um, hilariously, she's now a candy maker, and I wrote a book on pie. <laughs> it always looks like your Instagram is full of so many delicious pies. I'm like, how many pies do you make? During the book, we made, over the course of 14 days, we made something like 232 pies um, to produce the book. But um, last November, we made 232 pies in 14 days. So I think it's safe to say, I mean, there are three pies in the house right now. <laughs> there's always at least one, but there's usually more like three to seven at any given time. I have two ovens in my house on two different floors, one upstairs and one in the basement. And, um, you know, that's, that's my, my workout. It's great. Yeah. No, that sounds like an ideal setup. You said that you have three pies right now. What are they? I have the butterscotch apple pie, which is a layer of apples on the bottom and then butterscotch pudding on the top and then whipped cream. I have two of those. So that's boring to say I have three pies and there's two of those. And then I also have the chocolate covered raspberry pie. Oh, I have four because <laughs> I also have a chicken pot pie um, kind of in progress that I'm about to bake for dinner tonight. Yeah. <laughs> wow. How do you come up with all these flavor combinations and recipes for your pies? You know, sometimes they're just, uh, you know, based on a combination of flavors that I enjoy. Sometimes there's an idea of the way I want it to look. And then I sort of build backwards to figure out what I can use to get that kind of effect that I'm dreaming of. Um, a lot of times, I would say most often, they're inspired by individual people or like even meals that I've had or experiences that I've had where like I was like, I want to pieify that. Um, a good example of that is the shrimp foil pie, which is in the savory pie chapter, which is sort of designed after a crawfish boil, even though it's a shrimp boil pie, but I, it's designed after a crawfish boil I went to or a friend of mine, uh, my best friend, Terry, she loves black raspberries. So whenever I use black raspberries, which they have a very short season, mm -hmm. um, I always am thinking of her. So it's like, even though she probably doesn't realize it, you know, she's inspired pretty much every black raspberry dessert I've ever created because she loves them so much. So yeah, there's a lot of different sources of inspiration, but it's, you know, kind of an ever flowing thing. Yeah, it's kind of like the perfect blank slate. There's so many, you can switch out the crusts and you can switch out the filling, sweet, Absolutely. savory. And I think that pies, sometimes people are kind of scared to try to make their own pie crust or, or something like that. But once you try it for the first time, you realize it really just does take that practice and kind of getting your hands in there. A lot of baking is muscle memory. And I think one of the reasons that people think that it's difficult is because they try something once and then they don't try it again for a long time. Or they bake a pie at Thanksgiving and it doesn't turn out so great and they don't make another one till the next Thanksgiving. So, you know, the, I wasn't amazing at making pies right out the gate. The first pie my grandma and I made was really quite mediocre. I can like attest, it was not so great. But you learn a lot from those experiences and what's cool about, I mean, if you, 
produce some food and it doesn't turn out like you wanted, it's probably still delicious. Like it just might not be exactly what you were hoping for. And it maybe wasn't as good as it could be. But the thing is, it's going to be better the next time with what you learned from, from that first experience. So um, for me, that's one of the things that's really rewarding about it is it is kind of this art form that like literally nourishes you when you're done but it also, the process is very meditative and very calming and there's some science in it, but also some, um, you know, creativity and, and experimentation that you can do. It's all of those things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so just starting to wrap up, I'm curious if you have any advice, especially kind of given a lot of our listener base for any young people who are really interested in food and interested specifically in trying to go into food media in some capacity. Um, what advice you give them or maybe the advice you would have given yourself? Well, one piece of advice that I would give is that you can't let that like imposter syndrome slow you down. You've got to start somewhere and whether that's starting a blog, whether it's writing regularly and trying to submit to places, um, you know, whatever it is. And that's, what's really amazing that I think young people have, um, young people now have in a way that I didn't exactly have, of course, like some social media was a thing when I was uh, that, that age, just coming out of college. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of the social media as we know it was not really a thing yet. And certainly Instagram, which has become a huge um, thing for my career and really, really a useful tool, um, wasn't really around in the same capacity. And so what is amazing is that you can view things like Instagram and um, TikTok and some of those things as almost like your own magazine where you're the editor and you get to choose the content that's going and what's inspiring you. The other thing um, that I also say is I mentioned it's a very small world and I would really advise against burning any bridges. You know, I come into contact with a lot of people now that I met eight years ago in my career. And um, I've also been recommended for a lot of opportunities. Like a lot of the best opportunities that I've received have come from word of mouth, from somebody who told someone else about me or passed along one of my baked goods and it kind of got, so use that small world thing to your advantage, you know, set out to kind of do your best in every situation that you're presented with because, um, you know, people are going to remember those moments and down the line, you know, it, it could really be the thing that separates you from a lot of the other, you know, people out there that are making similar content or, you know, trying to produce some of that stuff as well. Um, and, you know, just be determined and have confidence in yourself. I think the main piece of advice I give to people is um, in a world where there is so much content, the only thing other people can't do effectively is be you. You can be you. So um, if you are true to yourself as much as you can, you're already bringing something new to the table and you're offering up something that the person next to you couldn't do. So the more you can stay true to yourself and your own perspective and your own creativity and some of those things, the, the you know, more your career is going to reflect you and the more you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's so relevant as Elena and I are trying to build up Gourmand and our podcast and our platform. Um, definitely great things to keep in mind. Um, so one last thing, um, we have this speed round at the end of every episode that we do. So just tell us the first thing that comes to mind with these I'm questions. I'm so bad at these, but yes, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Um, what's one kitchen tool that you can't live without? Bench scraper, like a 
you know, metal bench scraper. I love yeah. those for cleaning off my flowery surfaces. Yeah, always. Um, and next one, what's your favorite flavor combination if you had to pick? <sighs> Peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite cookbook at the moment? Mm, gosh, there are so many good ones. This is really hard. I'm really liking the book Snacking Cakes right now, which is um, by a friend of mine, uh, Yossi Arafi. She's fabulous and the yeah. book is fabulous. And my assistant and I both have already made a bunch of recipes out of it. It is so good and, and also creative and also like just full of both standbys and new ideas, which is a hard thing to achieve, I think, with any cookbook. Yeah, and I have Sweeter Off the Vine, and I have been also eyeing snacking cakes. Oh, it's so sure. good. You need it. Yes, you need it. Yes. <laughs> you, might, you might even need it more than the book on pie, because like, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a winter of snacking cakes. Oh, definitely. <laughs> We're coming up on prime snacking cake season. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, next question, what is your pie topping of choice if you had to choose? Double crust, lattice, streusel? <sighs> hard. I think I would have to say double crust because at the end of the day, I'm still a crust person first, but meringue would be a very close mm. second. What's your favorite midnight snack or late night restaurant? Oh, that's a good one. Um, my husband is usually more in charge of the midnight snacks and they tend to be cheese based. He's also a cook. Uh, they tend to be things like grilled cheese, queso, fried cheese, goodness. <laughs> I think any of those things would fly. Or in the summer, I love to make a BLT as a midnight snack. That's like, it's just perfect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and finally, the age-old question, chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. I have a vanilla bean tattoo on my arm and I love vanilla. I was actually just saying to someone the other day that when I was a kid, I would order one scoop of vanilla ice cream and one scoop of peppermint and everyone made fun of me for being 90 years old. <laughs> I just love the flavor of vanilla. And um, I think, you know, we use it so much as a complimenting flavor, but for me, it's the star of the show more often than not. Awesome. Well, Erin, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with us. And this was so much fun and like so nice to hear about all of your amazing experiences and, and your advice. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And be sure to, if you have any baking questions anytime, you or your uh, listeners can be sure to hit me up on Instagram at emcdowell. I'm always answering baking questions there. It's a 24-hour Pisces hotline. Anytime you need me, I will help your crusts get flakier. And that's a wrap on our conversation with Erin McDowell. You can find Erin on Instagram at E McDowell and be sure to check out the book on pie. It's absolutely stunning and I'll definitely be baking through the recipes this January. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can shoot us an email at gourmandfoodpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at gourmandpodcast to stay up to date with all things gourmand. Also, we're still looking for submissions for Gourmand Community, and you can submit your pieces at gourmandpodcast.com. I'm Elena Cho. And I'm Maggie Tang. And this is Gourmand.